Welcome to Backstage at Brick. I'm your host, BJ Evans. I'm so excited to be in the studio today with the Knights. If you loved what you were just listening to just now, that was actually the Knights themselves, Colin and Eric Jacobson, brothers who are co-artistic directors of the Knights, your local orchestral collective here based in Brooklyn. And they are back. You've heard me talk about them tons on the show. They're here usually four times a year, and they're back again this Saturday, October 27th, for a family show at 2 o'clock and an evening show at 8 o'clock. And I am so pleased that I have some key members of the team with me in the studio today. I have co-artistic director Colin Jacobson in the studio. Hi, Colin. Hey, BJ. Great How to be How are here. you? Uh, very happy to be here, as uh, always. It's so good to have you here. And I also have Bridget Mundy, the operations manager for the Knights. Hello, Bridget. Hi, BJ. How are you? I am great. Thanks. Good. So... Colin, I just want to tell the listeners, since they can't see the video that I just played of the music, that was you and your brother together Yes, playing. What were you playing? What was that? Oh, that was um, a piece for violoncello. He's a cellist. I'm a violinist. And uh, by Handel Halverson, it's kind of like, uh, I guess if it were architecture, it'd be like a 18th century house that had like an addition put onto it in the early 20th century. So it's a weird mishmash, but it's really fun to play. Very virtuosic um, and dramatic piece for two brothers to do together. (laughs) And to listen to, like a battle, violoncello battle. Totally. So you have a program coming up this Saturday evening, and we're calling it Leonard Bernstein. And am I saying that right? Is it Bernstein or Bernstein? I've heard... um, I guess I go Bernstein, but... uh, you know. No, I've heard it both yeah. ways. I think you're right that it is Bernstein, and we have shifted it to Bernstein in our English language, Maybe, messing yeah. it up. So we have Leonard Bernstein and Walt Whitman, American Originals, and Defia's Master Peter's Puppet Show. So an extraordinary program. And you are co-artistic director. How do you decide what you're going to do? This is an evening of some beautiful music that inspired them both. You also have Kavork Morad coming back, who's a live artist. So how does this even happen? Yeah, well, I, um, I mean, programming is uh, something that has in a group of, the, you know, a, a group of musicians the size of the Knights, meaning about 35 plus members. Um, there are multiple ways that we think about programming. Um, one is just uh, you know, what are the things that have been in development um, that we're interested in doing? And then there's the topical nature of, of uh, the fact that this summer we played uh, Bernstein's opera, musical theater piece, Candide, up at Tanglewood. And uh, that was really special because it was Bernstein's 100th birthday this year. And so people have been celebrating his music all over the place. But we were really honored to be able to do that piece in a place so associated with um, with Bernstein throughout his life, a place where he conducted and taught a generation of composers and conductors. And uh, so it was really an honor that the Boston Symphony, which runs Tanglewood, um, uh, allowed us to do our production there. Uh, so we weren't able to bring that full production here, but we wanted to bring some something of Bernstein's legacy. And of, of course, actually, he, you know, Bernstein is is buried in Greenwood Cemetery, just, I heard um, about that. you know, which is uh, like the, in, in the neighborhood I live in Brooklyn. I mean, it's in Windsor Terrace and it's a beautiful place to visit. And just I'm going to diverge for a second. And I didn't just in, in researching all this, I didn't know that Greenwood Cemetery was actually the biggest tourist attraction in America 
um, at one point. No way. You know, um, like in the 1800s. And I think it had to do with all the Civil War vets that are buried there, including, and as I was going there the other day to visit Bernstein's grave, on a little pilgrimage, I uh, found out that there, for instance, is there, there's a soldier from the north and a soldier from the south who are, who are brothers, who are buried there. And Walt Whitman, um, when he was a volunteer nurse during the Civil War, tended both of them at various points, um, which is really amazing, you know. So do you um, go to Bernstein's grave and get your violin and, like, play at his grave? I, I didn't bring my violin, <laughs> but... Um, but it's actually it's just a it's a beautiful, very peaceful place. And so I was a, it was a nice fall day last weekend when I went there. And actually, I you know I have a three year old daughter, and uh, when she was younger, and we were just looking for the snooze cruise, either in car or stroller. We often would go to Greenwood Cemetery, which is funny. You know, you're you're at with a kid <laughs> in order for them to sleep while you're in the midst of all these people who are in their permanent sleep. It's a little weird, but yeah. 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 Wait, but, snooze uh, cruise. Yeah. Now I have to digress a little. Does that mean walk around with a child so they can sleep? Is yeah, that... exactly. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, anyway, so back to programming. <laughs> I think we, like, like basically we start with uh, there's a programming committee within the nights. And so that's a one funnel for ideas from the larger membership to come to a group of about six people. And those people are also creating their own ideas. Eric, my brother Eric, and I have our own ideas and then basically uh, try to form programs out of that. And obviously things like budget and space and who you're playing for um, all play into that. But in, in the case of this program, we thought let's honor these two bright stars of American culture who, and we're sandwiched right now between Bernstein's centenary and Walt Whitman's 200th birth, which will take place in May. So it seemed like a good time. Um, And Walt Whitman being a a Brooklyn person for a lot of his life. And Bernstein, as we just said, his final resting place is nearby. So that's perfect. um, And then, you know, since we had this literary thing going with, um, with Walt Whitman, we thought to bring back this uh, theatrical production that we did here a few years ago, uh, which is a Defia operetta, originally a puppet opera that he wrote. And we had done this with the uh, Syrian-born artist, uh, Kevor Murad, of Armenian heritage. It's a lot to wrap the no, mind he's around. Been Brick Lab but he's been a Brick Lab he's artist. He's been on the show, yeah. yeah exactly. We talked about him on the show at least. So it's, yeah. and he's based, you know, his studio is based in Bushwick. And uh, so it's nice to, and we've worked together, um, you know, for about 20 years on different projects. So it's nice to continue that relationship. I did not know you went that far back. Yeah, since I, we were, I was in school. It was about when I met, I mean, in, at, in conservatory land is when I met him. Because he's always had a great love of music and drawing live in response to music and alongside it and then doing animation. And so with Master Peter's Puppet Show, I think he began doing stop, anim- how, how do you, you know, whatever that is, stop animation, where you take pictures of yeah. puppets yeah. and then see them move. Yeah. So it really is a collective that's coming together to try to program what's coming up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So who makes the final decision? Well, that's there are artistic directors in the group. So uh, that, otherwise, that... you know, one could talk about because talking about programming or spaces to play in is like a favorite topic of musicians. So you could you could do that till the cows come home. And also everyone has, you know, it's like what are, what are the um, 
as an art curator, what are you going to put next to each other? And everyone's going to have different tastes. So it does need a, a place to coalesce, I think. I appreciate you yeah. saying that. I get a lot of questions from people who aren't as deeply involved in the arts who ask me what that means to be an artistic director. That title is out there a lot, and I feel like you just distilled down what that means of really making those final decisions and what the programming is. Even though you're a collective and taking lots of ideas, right. there has to be someone in charge who decides finally what will happen or nothing will ever happen. Yeah, you want stuff to happen, I guess. Yeah. That's right. Like, So that's that's the goal, yeah. That's great. So how far in advance do you program? Like, do you know what you're doing next year, next spring, two years from now? Well, it's funny. There are some things that have a really long time horizon. I mean, we know um, some tour dates that we're holding two years out and what we're planning to program for those. And then there are other things that literally come up, you know, in a week or a month. So I, it, it, we're always working on different time horizons. And then that feeds into the programming discussion because you know if you're if you're thinking about two years from now touring with x artist you might want to think about recording with them or rather sometimes a recording uh conversation spurs the idea to tour or and and the way we view our relationship with brick very much is a place where we can it like it has a lab you you mentioned brick lab we're not part of brick lab but for us it is partly a lab it's a place where we can try new things that often then go out all over the world on tour. But also there are things like um, elements of Candide that we're bringing here that were actually developed somewhere else and we're bringing to Brooklyn. So it feels like there's a nice back and forth in terms of, of that. I love that. It is part of our mission to incubate art and artists. And I love that though you are so established as artists that we're still able to offer incubation for established artists. And not many oh, people think about established artists meaning that incubation period as well. And it is so important. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, you know, people talk about, I guess in terms of companies, it's like research and development. And you, I mean, That's that true. is at the core of what you're supposed to be doing in the creative arts. Yeah. But I think with big orchestras, that's often hard because you're just, every week you're doing a different program and it's often just for that place, not as much on tour. And so um, it's very important for a group like the Knights that it be constantly creating new things that then can then have a life on the road, I guess. So yeah. talk to me about this co-artistic director idea. You and your brother are in charge together. So tell me about the family spats. What happens when you disagree on programming? Or do you ever? How oh, do yeah, you deal all with the time. That? All the time. <laughs> I mean, I think uh, we just talk it out. I mean, we, really? we definitely yeah. get intense. They're, they get heated discussions between us all the time. Yeah. As only family and, can do. But I, I guess, like, yeah, and we can actually really fight, but also... Um, know what's behind it and, and uh, like know that that's a moment and then we move on from it. So yeah. yeah. Do you each just have your ways of conceding to the other and like you win some, you lose oh, some. Yeah, I get this one, you'll get the next one, bro. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And uh, I mean, I think w there's so much overlap in our thought and so much uh, history and years of w we know what each other proclivities are and what we're drawn to musically. I mean, I would say, uh, you know, Eric is very concerned with the, the audience experience and making sure that, um, A, for instance, like I would be more likely to have a string of really sad, slow stuff on a program. And he'll be like, 
that's going to fall flat. You know, people are not going to want to sit through all of that, you know. Um, I mean, he's he's got a point. He's got a point. (laughs) And he's usually very right about that. um, But I think, yeah, so I think, uh, you know, there's an idealism to both of what we think about from slightly different angles, but then also um, both of us are both practical and impractical in different ways. I'd say generally he's more aware of the practical aspect of putting a program together than I am, as exemplified, for instance, by this morning when we had a, we worked with um, a school group coming in, and I thought it would be possible to do um, something with just strings and harp, and then for the last 15 minutes, because that was a lot of sad, slow stuff, and, I, and because of my relationship with my brother, I was aware that that was going to be a lot for <laughs> second graders to deal with. Uh, that there should be something more energetic. But my impractical side thought that it would be possible to get in wind players and three singers just to jump in for the last 15 minutes. And then actually that wasn't going to be possible. And Eric helped me realize that. So um, <laughs> so you complement each other. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and speaking of school groups, you had you know, two very large school groups in today to watch and you talk to them and you have these family shows. We've talked about them a ton on the show, on this show, about how you do these really relaxed, really open, really inviting, literally all ages welcome. And that is rare for a place to be like, no, no, you can bring your baby in here. And if the baby starts to fuss, it's fine. Just walk out if you feel you need to and come back when you want to. I've seen toddlers walking up and down the stairs of the the seating arrangement because they just need to walk. And joining in the performance yes, as uh, backup yes, singers yes, and dancers do. by that's accident. Right. Yeah. They do. Because we put those cushions on the floor in that front row and they are right up against the musicians and I find it so special that artists and musicians of your caliber of your level of your renown I mean you are a Grammy nominated after all would care to make sure you're you're bringing this music to young people in this environment in this format that is so welcoming so talk to me a little bit about where that came from and what what inspires you to do that I mean I I think all the musicians and the knights feel a deep mission to uh, getting the next generation of people interested in this music that we love. And uh, um, and I guess for Eric and I, it started at home with our parents that they, as musicians in a musician household, they would have parties um, of where their friends would come and just play music for fun. And as we were toddlers at the time, got to listen and 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 have a great time, really like they would let us sit right up in the action. And so I think that's why we love music, as we saw it was a social and joyous thing. And so want to share that with toddlers and anyone in between toddlers and 100-year-olds. Yes, uh, I should say today. that they yeah. are, though they are built as family <laughs> shows and toddlers come, they are 100% enjoyable for adults and right. people without children. They are amazing shows. Um, and we're just so grateful that you exist and are here and are willing to do that. It's been so great for brick audiences and for Brooklyn families. So um, thank you for that. Thank Is you. there, uh, I want to talk to Bridget a little bit and, and you both about the, the behind the scenes operations, but there, is there anything about the program for this Saturday that you would like to say that I didn't ask? Um, 
Well, I mean, I think just to oh, I did I didn't say this about how Walt Whitman is is brought into this is that oh, we're not yeah. it's not like he wrote music. That's um, thank you for saying and, that. That is uh, a great point. And <laughs> we're not actually playing any of the songs. Not that there are that many, but there are some great songs set by composers like Charles Ives and John Adams more recently. And um, but we aren't actually doing that. What we're doing is lots of Italian bel canto opera arias of uh, and all of these we researched there's a book actually about Whitman and the opera because he was a, a an opera critic for the Brooklyn Eagle and Brooklyn Daily newspaper I believe at one point no kidding and um, cool so he and and he credits opera with unlocking his poetic voice actually like he um, which is funny because when he first listened to opera in the 1840s you know, a lot of his mission was he wanted American art forms, stuff that is true to this country, not adopted European forms. And so he was more into like the traveling family minstrel bands yeah. of the time at first. But then at some point he he was just, you know, opera just ripped open his soul and mm-hmm. he credits it with really being the impetus that led to the Leaves of Grass and Song of Myself and, and all of that. And um, so all the arias we're doing are the kind of sing, singing that he loved in those years that led up until the Civil War stopped his opera-going days, actually. But till it, as an old man, he would refer back to those days of that really changing his life. So, um, And that seemed to be a nice thing next to the Bernstein songs and next to the opera of the second half. So it's a very vocal program. Yes, it's extraordinary. Everyone listening, if, you, if you're coming this Saturday, you're in for a real treat. It really is. The vocalists you have are extraordinary. And I love that you said that about Whitman because you mentioned earlier that it was a literary program and we didn't talk about why Whitman was part of a a classical music concert. So I appreciate that. Um, So you talked a little bit about how your brother Eric is a little bit more of the logistics operational. And we have Bridget here in the studio with us whose title is operations manager. So talk to me a little bit. Bridget, about how you intersect with Colin and with Eric. And, you know, I, as a producer myself who does a lot of administration and a lot of behind the scenes, I feel like sometimes operations and administration can, you know, take a back seat in people's minds. Right. And I just want to say here on Backstage at Brick <laughs> that it doesn't happen without folks like us. Here, here. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you, Colin. <laughs> and folks like us who really care about the art right. and, and find a lot of joy in exercising our creative selves in the creation of processes that can help the art. Right. As we are creative as well. You do not have to be artistic to be creative. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. So I would just love to talk to you, to you and, and Colin both of, yeah, how do you intersect? Yeah. I mean, I think um, in many ways I feel like if I'm doing my job very well, many people especially people in the audience, wouldn't know that I exist. Um, It should be to the audience, like the forward-facing product that the Knights have as a concert experience should be very seamless um, in terms of the operational aspects. But um, I absolutely work very closely with both Colin and Eric on on all of the the behind-the-scenes operations and logistical details and scheduling um, and Yeah, name a few. Tell me. I know. For people listening, it genuinely is, but what does that mean? Like, what are... even a list of what are those types of things that you're having to yeah I guess <laughs> Colin's start, chuckling over yeah. here <laughs> I think it kind of it starts when we have um, 
determined we have a concert engagement. Um, so there's something that's been booked for the Knights to perform. And they're working on the programming. That's kind of the first thing that happens. As soon as there's a program and we know what music we're playing, then we need to sit down and look at the music and determine what the instrumentation is. Um, and that means what instruments are required to perform this piece. And so how many people do we have to hire? Um, and if you're hiring a percussionist, they have percussion equipment. Uh, so what kind of percussion equipment do we need to have as part of the back line? And it's kind of putting together a as lot of rent those. It. Yeah, exactly. We have to, to rent that. We have to speak with the percussionists about their preferences for things um, and just kind of make sure you know, going through the the program piece by piece, then putting together stage plots. What is the stage going to look like with this piece of music on the stage? Which instruments and musicians are going to be on there? Where are they going to be placed? And like physically, where in, yes. on a stage, where will they go? Exactly. That's what a stage plot is. It's literally mm-hmm. here is where it's like um, if you had little miniature people and on exactly the like a diagram. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Where are the music stands going? Oh, goodness. Um, and so kind of that's the kind of the first initial step uh, in terms of getting the a production from being this, you know, this this engagement, this this artistic idea and Colin and Eric's head onto like a, a more practical level. Um, and then from there, I mean, it's kind of uh, it's a little bit dry, I guess, to talk about. But there is a very detailed we have a I think it's we're up to over like 40 individual checklist items for every single production that we do and that involves everything from you know what transportation is needed are we traveling outside of the five boroughs and do we need to get these musicians and their instruments to a to out of state, out of town, you know, out of the so country. So you're responsible for getting the musicians and their instruments to wherever yeah, they need to be. Yeah, and organizing the logistical details Ooh. behind that. Um, and then music. We have to have music on the stands for the musicians to play. Like the actual so, physical pieces yeah, of paper. exactly. Um, and are there any markings that need to be added? I mean, there are a million little things that when you're an audience member, you come and you show up and you sit down and then the performance happens and you don't necessarily think about or see these things that go on behind the scenes for weeks and months and sometimes even years, kind of thinking and planning about every little detail so that the audience has a really wonderful concert to listen to. And even, you know, just before coming to meet you, BJ, for instance, (laughs) since this is a theatrical production, it involved getting uh, Bridget obtaining this afternoon um, a sword a, um, a because sword. because we have <laughs> since we're not, we are an orchestra not an opera company we do not seem to have our sword from the last time we did this piece <laughs> yes. which needs to be a particular color so spray paint was obtained by Bridget today stop yeah. it um, oh, yeah. oh my goodness and yeah yeah That's... that kind of thing or yeah. just the fact that uh, the you know the program for the school groups that we did mm-hmm. came together. I believe at 2 a.m. last night in its final version. So then she's printing um, the cue sheet for all the musicians to have when we enter at 10 a.m. this morning. Oh, Um, wow. Yeah. 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 So it's all of that just kind of helping. And yeah, I think in in many ways, um, yeah, being behind the scenes, it's just I'm kind of the support behind like anything that needs to happen i'm kind of the gatherer of that information and the the funnel for that information and just making sure all those boxes get checked for all the all the tiny details if yeah. i could make a plug i mean i don't, i i think you know for some of the more remarkable bridget um operational experiences since she's come on about six months ago was this summer we were playing at a festival in skinny Adelies, new york and there. The deal is that it's homestays. So 
four, 35 musicians about and about 10 singers mm-hmm. and a director um, and dancer. Well, not dancers there, but so about 45 people in mm-hmm. homestays of three, four, all throughout the town of Skinny Adelaide's. Like all other with, people's homes? Yes. yes. Oh. All with different vehicles all to get places. And so managing who has their own vehicle, who's renting a car, who's traveling with whom, who's staying with whom. And Bridget was able to memorize all of that. Mm, I, and, I, think, uh, yeah. I think by the time it was like, you know, transportation spreadsheet version 27 or something by the end of the trip with all the changes. But yeah, and it's thinking through, you know, not just, oh, there's a sedan that can fit four people. Well, not if one of them is a cellist and one of them plays the tuba because they have their instruments with them. So it's all the layers on top of that and kind of, yeah, getting everyone where they need to go and thinking through the timing and, oh, wait, this person is leaving from Philadelphia, not from New York. And and all of those tiny details. And picking up a sword. And picking up the sword. And spray and, painting and spray the painting sword. it. Who spray painted the sword? I think that was a joint effort between Eric, uh, one of our bass players, Logan, and myself. Wow. It's a three-person job for sure. And luckily you were <laughs> able to find a sword. It is coming up on Halloween. They could have all been sold out. That is, I was, uh, yeah, it was very fortunate timing with the Halloween holiday. So you're like props manager, yes. stage manager, yes. <laughs> company manager. Exactly. Operations general. Yeah, uh, yeah sounds like yeah. a little bit of everything. Yeah, but it's, I mean, it's, I personally find it, um, I find it to be very exciting work and, and very meaningful and fulfilling work because um, it allows me to support what's happening. I'm not a musician. I have personally have no you know, background in, in music. I took piano lessons very badly for two years when I was a kid, and that was the end of my, you know, formal music training. Um, but I I love music. I love this art form. I love the orchestra world. And so to be able to have a job like this that supports um, that final product and the concert experience for all of our community members is, is very meaningful and fulfilling to me. That's lovely. Yeah. Thank you. And I can tell from Colin, from seeing you and Eric and everyone at the Knights, how much you appreciate and value and respect the people who aren't the musicians. I mean, you respect the musicians as well, but everybody, you really do respect everyone. And for anyone out there who thinks that concert musicians are divas, that is not the case for the Knights. It's really, really not. When I tell people that I have, you know, this large orchestra in the building, you know, friends of mine, I often get the like, ooh, (laughs) you know, that sort of um, like, are you okay? Look, and I'm like, you don't understand how lovely and charming and delightful and kind and respectful everyone on the nights are. And, you know, your music is obviously phenomenal, but to also have that is really, really a treat and rare in this business. So we're really well, lucky to have you. Thank here. you. I mean, and, and likewise, I feel like Brick has been such a great partner because there is such a sense of community here. And that is the mission here. So yeah. um, it just feels like a really good partnership. And uh, and part of why I think, and once again, part of why musicians don't seem like divas to, do, to you is, is all the work that Bridget is doing to make sure that things are going smoothly so that they don't have requests that come up that aren't possible to be met and then people get frustrated or whatever. No, that's know. true. Um, I always do tell people, like, you know, in my experience, usually even when people are considered divas, they're actually not divas. They have a job to do. They have a very hard job to do. And they're just asking for the things that they need to be able to do their very hard job, which is be 100% on their game all the time, every time an audience is there. And that's a really hard job. So um, even even as I say diva, I really don't think anyone is 
truly a diva. I've seen some divas. But you may yeah, have seen I, some divas. <laughs> You've been in this business a little longer than I have. You may have seen divas by now. Um, well, we do have to close, but I saw that you brought your instrument in here, Colin. Is that correct? I did. Do you yeah. mind playing us out? Oh, my goodness. Would that be? Well, it's going to take me a second oh, to get it right. out. Yeah, so yeah. You, you talk yeah, amongst we'll, yourselves. Yeah. We'll talk amongst ourselves or we'll yeah. pause or we'll <laughs> – I can edit it out later. <laughs> we'll see. It's like truly backstage at Brick here. It's awesome. It's this is great. Break. Yeah. I realize – like halfway through that I didn't turn the on-air button on. Oh. And I was like, well, no one popped in. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so. What should I play? What should you play? Something from this week, probably. Yeah, what's. Um, I could play. Oh, and I, I've known he's putting a rubber band rubber on his band, violin. Some makeup sponges. No way. This is so interesting. It's so particular to each musician how they prepare their the setup. instrument. Yeah. yeah. So the rubber the rubber bands went on the back, and then the makeup sponges went underneath. It's like a bands. cushion. Yeah. Oh, that's for your that. shoulder. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Some people have a real big shoulder rest. Um, yeah, it's all individual. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's the aria that. Uh, is is uh, maybe I'll just play that. It's a very sweet uh, una furtiva lacrima. Beautiful. (laughs) Thank you. Don't forget, that's this Saturday, October 27th, 2 p.m. for the family show, 8 p.m. for the evening concert. It is also their opening night for the whole season, so you do not want to miss it. Tickets are available at brookartsmedia.org, and they are so affordable. Please join us this Saturday. This has been another episode of Backstage at Brick. I'm your host, BJ Evans. I've been in the studio with Colin Jacobson and Bridget Mundy. We're recorded at the podcast studio at Brick Arts Media, and we'll catch you in a couple weeks for our next episode. Thanks for joining.